I'll invite you guys to take your Bibles and turn with me for our scripture reading for our sermon this morning. We'll be in the book of Hebrews today, chapter 10, and we'll look together at verses 24 and 25. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, as we carry on in our current series about the one another's. So, I'll invite you please to stand with me for the reading of Holy Scripture. This is God's holy word for us, His people. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging, encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is God's holy word for us as people. Father, we ask that you would now bless not only the reading, but especially, Lord, the preaching of your word. That you would send your Holy Spirit from heaven to do what only you can do. That I might decrease and you might increase. You have the words of eternal life, Lord Jesus. Speak your life-giving words to us today. May we have eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts full of joy to receive. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As we continue in our series... Each of the one another's we consider builds on the previous one. As we progress through these, we are moving from the inward primarily to the outward primarily. From the internal to the external. Love one another begins in the commitment of our hearts. Out of deep mutual love, we then strive for peace with one another. In love and peace, we welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. We provide a place of belonging. We gather together for worship and fellowship. And we form deep, authentic friendships outside the church building So that we can be the body of Christ with and for one another as we share a common life. This week we come to the fourth of our ten one another commandments. And we begin with a passage that we looked at last week. And by doing this I hope to underline the point that these one another's are connected And that one flows out of the other. The fourth one another commandment that we come to this week is encourage one another. Our starting passage is Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And we'll look at several other verses as we go along. And last week when we talked about this verse, we focused on that part in verse 25 that commands us not to neglect or to forsake gathering together. 
Now this morning, we will focus on the parts of that passage that surround the idea of gathering. And we'll see how these elements interact with one another. The main idea I want us to focus on this morning is this question. What is biblical encouragement? We're commanded to encourage one another. What does the Bible mean by that? What is biblical encouragement? And this question has a three-part answer. These are our three points for this morning on your handout. The nature of encouragement, point one. Second, the aims of encouragement. And then third, we will look at the power of encouragement. If we want to understand what biblical encouragement is, we have to ask, what is the nature of encouragement? Before we can do it, we got to know what it is. So what is it? And here in point one, the nature of encouragement has three elements. First, the definition of encouragement. And this is going to come from verse 24. Look at verse 24 with me. And let us consider, God's word says, how to stir up one another to love and good works. This is a nice, concise summary of what biblical encouragement is. Notice what verse 24 contains. First of all, it says, and let us consider Consider, give thought to. Part of the definition of encouragement is thoughtful consideration. And this word in Greek that gets translated consider, it means to observe. It means to think of, take notice of each other. It means be on the lookout. Consider who's in need. Who needs to be encouraged this morning? Who around me needs encouragement? It starts there with noticing, being mindful of others, taking a look outside of ourselves and looking around at the other people in our body and just seeing who's in need and considering who can I encourage. It starts there, thoughtful consideration. And then it moves into intentional motivation. It says, let us consider how to stir up one another. And I I like the ESV translates it, stir up. Because in Greek, this is a noun. Consider how to stir up each other. It's actually a noun. But the verb form means to irritate. (laughs) To agitate. I love that. And sometimes in English we say, oh, so-and-so is just stirring things up. Stirring up trouble. And it has that idea. Think about somebody who really knows how to push your buttons. Think about somebody who knows exactly what to say to really just get you. To aggravate you. To irritate you. They can say exactly that thing that's going to make you upset. And they're just having a good time. They're picking on you. They're pushing your buttons. But they know what the buttons are. They know exactly how to get you. That's because they're considering how they can stir things up. And they're very intentionally going for that soft spot, that sore spot that gets to you. It's intentional. But here we're not stirring up strife, stirring up conflict, making people aggravated and bugging each other and 
getting irritated with each other. No, here we're being very intentional. We're looking for the kind of buttons we can push for each other to stir up not aggravation, but love and good works. This idea of stirring up means to stimulate, to rouse, to instigate. Sometimes, well, lately, certainly, in 2020, and at the beginning of this year, we've had to discuss whether or not people are inciting violence. And here, this word means to incite, but not violence. It means to incite love. To incite good works. So, based on verse 24, let me give you my definition of biblical encouragement. Biblical encouragement is speaking considerately to a fellow believer with the goal of motivating their growth in Christian character. Love and good deeds are the inside and the outside of Christian character. Love on the inside, in the heart, and good works in your hands and in your life. What are your good works for? Do you build up all these good works and then pick them up and then hand them to God to earn something? No. You serve God by taking all your good works and giving them away to your neighbor who's in need. And we need to grow in this Christian character. And one of the ways, one of the primary ways that you and I grow is that we have our character stimulated, instigated. We have our growth incited by one another. Encouragement is speaking considerately to a fellow believer with the goal of motivating their growth in Christian character. That's the definition of biblical encouragement. That's the first element of the nature of encouragement. Notice the next thing in our text. The context. Where does encouragement happen? This is what we looked at last time. Start at verse 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another, love and good works... Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. You see how he holds up two things? We need to stir up love and good deeds. Not neglecting this, but rather, instead of neglecting to meet together, doing this other thing instead of that. Encouraging. And that tells us that the context of encouragement is our gatherings. Not neglecting, but instead of neglecting to gather, encouraging. Biblical encouragement flows out of our fellowship with each other. We welcome one another in love and peace as Christ welcomed us. And in the context of biblical fellowship, encouragement naturally takes place. And this happens in worship. I love this verse in Ephesians 5, 18 to 20. It says, do not get drunk with wine... For that is debauchery. But instead of being drunk with wine, be filled with the Spirit. Be intoxicated by the Holy Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. 
singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking about public worship. Be filled with the Spirit and then address each other in song with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And we sing the life-giving words of hymns and of psalms. We sing the truths of Scripture, not just to God, but to one another as well. We're worshiping Him, and through our corporate worship, we get encouraged. We get filled with the Spirit in that context. Or Romans 1, 11 and 12. Ephesians 5, that's public worship. And here's... In our own personal time, in our homes and outside of the worship service. Romans 1, 11 and 12. Paul tells his Roman readers, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Both yours and mine. When we get together... And have fellowship in worship and then outside in a hundred different ways in our homes. And when we're going places together, when we're doing ministry together, you name it. But when we're gathering together, that's the context where the encouragement happens. Where your faith and my faith mutually encourage one another. And we get stronger in our faith together. Instead of trying to do it all by ourselves. The third part of the nature of encouragement. We've seen the definition. We've seen the context. Now the second half of verse 25 gives us the urgency of biblical encouragement. Look at verse 25 again. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This text tells me that we need more encouragement, not less. It's amazing. You and I manage to get by in life with so little encouragement. It's just, we get by with so few people speaking words of life into our minds and hearts. And we're somehow able to be resilient and manage and get by. And, we, and we're used to taking criticisms. I, I remember I learned this lesson at, uh, in, in retail. The boss, no matter what store it was, the boss almost never came by when I was doing something really well and said, man, you're knocking out of the park today, Wes. Great job. You're doing awesome today. Keep it up, buddy. Earn that minimum wage. I mean, I did my job pretty well most of the time, but like anybody else, you know, whoop, I forgot to do that, or I messed that up, or I did that wrong. Oh, man, all the managers notice that mistake, and they'll ride you on it. I can't believe you rang that guy up wrong. I can't believe you didn't give back correct change. I can't believe you didn't put up the, the ad signs. I can't believe, what you, you don't listen, Wesley, you don't pay attention. Come on, get it together. Maybe I don't listen, maybe I don't pay attention. But most of the time, I'm doing okay. And no encouragement. Just criticism. <laughs> so when I was a manager, I tried to go out of my way to say, you're doing fantastic today. The way you just handled that customer, perfect. Do that every time. 
I'm going to go tell my manager that you're doing awesome today. I tried to build encouragement in. If that's true in retail, if that's true at your job, how much more in the Christian life? We get by with so little encouragement. But we could be thriving if we had more, not less. Encourage one another all the more. We would thrive beyond belief if we abounded with encouragement in this place. But now, why the urgency? Notice what he says. All the more, why? As you see the day drawing near. Why this urgency? To encourage? Because the day of Christ is coming. We're not going to keep doing this forever. One day the Lord will return. The day is drawing near. Now, no, nobody knows when it is, but it's closer today than it was yesterday. It's closer today than it was 2,000 years ago when these words were written. And that day continues to draw near, and you don't know when it is, so there's some urgency about it. We don't assume that we have endless time, but we get busy with the time we have The day of Christ is coming and encouragement is all about helping each other live towards that day and prepare ourselves to meet the Lord. And this should light a fire under us. This this might be one of the most important points I'll make this morning is this one here. Biblical encouragement, biblical encouragement Flowing from and abounding within the context of biblical fellowship is God's plan for getting His people to heaven. This is God's plan A for seeing to it that the saints persevere in faith and good works and endure to the end. This isn't how we get saved. This isn't the gospel. But this is God's plan for keeping us in our faith firm to the end. We believe in the perseverance of the saints that God by grace will see to it that we do make it to the end. Because if any of us commit apostasy and reject Christ right before the finish line, you're not going into eternal life. God keeps us to the end. But remember back in the, our series on the, our firm foundation from Romans 8. God predestines the ends but as, as well as the means that help get us to the end. And one of the means, one of the most important means God has ordained for His church to see to it that His people endure to the end and make it to heaven is one another. Encouraging one another in the context of biblical fellowship so that we don't trip and fall short. The day of the Lord is coming and we want to be ready to stand before the Lord without shame and say, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. There is laid up for me the crown of life. As Paul said at the end of his life, So that's the nature of encouragement. Now, second point this morning. 
the aims of encouragement. Just as there are three elements to the nature of encouragement, there are three aims of encouragement. Maybe a more helpful word could be three different types of encouragement, if that helps you conceptualize it better. And the first is this, it's exhortation. These three come from the, the three primary meanings of the Greek word that's trans, that gets translated in courage. How this word get used, gets used in the New Testament. The first primary way, the first aim of our encouragement of one another is exhortation. We aim to motivate growth in Christian character in one another by exhorting each other. So here your aim is to exhort Now, to exhort means to strongly urge someone. To strongly urge someone. Exhort someone to do something. And so a great question you should ask is, okay, exhort someone to do what? Remember, this series is about the specifics. Yes, encourage each other. Great, I should do that. What does that mean? What does that look like? Give me specific ways to do it. Okay, here we go. Exhortation. Here are some verses. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I'll point out to you where the Greek word for encourage comes in in these translations because it gets translated different ways. Paul says, I appeal to you. That's the word for encourage. I appeal to you. It means I exhort you. I urge you. Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We exhort each other to complete devotion to Christ. I appeal to you, I exhort you, by the mercies of God, give your all to Christ. Be holy. Surrender all to Him. Be conformed to Christ. Forsake the pattern of this world and be molded and shaped and conformed into the pattern of Jesus. We exhort each other to do that. Oh, brother, you're going towards the world. Let me... I appeal to you, I exhort you. Surrender all to Christ and avoid conforming to this fallen dark world. Or 1 Peter 2.11 Beloved, I urge you. There's the word. I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. We exhort each other to give it all to Christ and we warn of falling back into the world. Another thing we exhort each other to do, Acts 14, 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Exhortation strengthens our faith and it prepares us to endure suffering. To go through trials and tribulations. So we exhort each other to our complete devotion to Christ. And we exhort each other to have strong faith that can endure suffering. That will inevitably come. 
Ephesians 4.1, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord urge you, exhort you, same word, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Exhortation is urging one another to walk worthy of Christ. Now be careful here. You don't urge each other to be worthy of Christ because you never will be. We're not worthy of Him. But, He says, live up to this holy calling you have. God has called you to live in holiness and to walk worthy of His grace. To walk as His grace demands. 1 Thessalonians 2.12 We exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into His own kingdom and glory. Exhortation is about our devotion to Christ. It's about strengthening our faith. It's about holy obedience. And we exhort one another to reconcile when we are estranged. 1 Corinthians 1.10 I appeal to you, there's the word, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree. And that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Or Philippians 4.2, I entreat or I exhort two ladies in the church in Philippi, Euodia, and I entreat, I exhort Syntyche to agree in the Lord. There were two ladies in the church in Philippi who weren't getting along. And Paul says, I exhort you, sisters, agree reconcile. This is something else we do for each other. When we have divisions, when we are separated by grudges or by one person did this, another person sinned this way, and and this kind of stuff happens. How do we deal with it? Each other, we come around those two or three or whoever who's having the disagreement, who's feeling the division, and we come and we exhort, oh, come back together. We exhort them to reconcile. Last example. Again, these are the specifics. Last example I'll give you of exhortation. There are lots of these in the Bible. Last example. Hebrews 3.13. Very, very important verse. But exhort one another every day. As long as it's called today. So that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You feel the urgency? Sin wants to deceive you at every turn. It wants to promise you everything and take from you everything. It's the serpent in the garden who promises to give you knowledge and give you the desires of your eyes and the desires of your heart and all the things of this life. Just like the serpent promised to Eve Sin is beguiling you with cunning and craftiness and it wants to deceive you. And there is an evil agent behind sin, the enemy of our souls, the enemy of God's kingdom. And he wants you to be entangled and ensnared and weak and defeated and broken. 
He wants to keep you deceived with the lies of sin. And the, one of the ways that we wake up to the mist and fog that sin can cast over us with its deception is that someone else comes along and encourages us. Someone else comes along and exhorts us. Every day, as long as it's called today, exhort one another so that you won't be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Our spiritual lives are at stake with this commandment. And so what should you do? You should be on the lookout. Consider, right? The word be on the lookout for how to exhort each other in the body. How can I help strengthen your faith? What can I do and say for you that would increase your devotion to Christ? That would help you walk in holy obedience. That would help people who are estranged to reconcile. That would help people arm themselves to resist the deceitfulness of sin. We have to take care of each other. We have to speak words of life into each other's lives. That's number one. The, number, the first aim of encouragement is exhortation. Here's a second. Edification. The second aim is to edify, which just means to build up instead of tearing down. In the church that me and Sarah grew up in, there was a band that came through there. And, uh, and when they first got started, they were just local, playing at little local Christian clubs. And, uh, and they were tight with some of the people at our church. And they kind of got their start through our church, which was, which was pretty cool. And uh, you may have heard of them. It's, it's a Christian band called Building 429. Anybody heard of them? They're not as big now. This is when I was in middle school and high school is when they really got started. Building 429. And it was, their name came from Ephesians 429, which says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Building 429. Edification is all about seeing, looking at our congregation, looking around to see who is in a place of weakness, who's feeling depressed and down and distraught, who feels powerless, who feels overwhelmed, who feels torn down by life and circumstances and people and problems and words and by sin. And we look for those people who need to be built up. We need to build them back up. And one of the ways is you speak grace into each other's lives. You're looking for who you can give the gospel to. Once we become saved, we have not outgrown the gospel. We need the gospel every day. And this text says, don't let corrupting talk come out of your mouth that tears people down, but only good speech that builds others up so that you can impart God's grace to the people who hear you. Edification is the second aim of encouragement. It's meant not just to exhort people to keep going, keep going in your faith, but to find those who have tripped and to help bring them up 
to build them back up. And we need this in our lives. I know there have been times when I've, I've you know, been at school and I'm just not feeling like I can pass this class and, and I'll call my mom or something and, and, and I'll say, look, I'm just, I don't know what to do. I don't have the motivation. I'm just, I'm too far behind. What am I going to do? And what does she do? She speaks, she encourages me. Yes, you can. You can do it. Pray about it. Make a plan and walks me through it. And when I was going to give up 30 minutes, you know, 30 minutes ago, and now after this 30 minutes of talking to someone who speaks life into me, now I'm like, yeah, I can do it. Maybe I can do it. Well, as Christians, we need someone to speak that gospel grace into our hearts, into our lives, into our situations to build us back up. This is what biblical encouragement is for. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you were doing. Exhortation, edification, and third, comfort. Comfort. The third aim of encouragement is to comfort. 2 Corinthians 13.11 Comfort one another. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 Encourage the faint hearted. In 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul goes through that whole big long passage about the day of the Lord's coming and the trumpet's going to sound and the dead in Christ will rise and those who remain alive will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And we just want to argue about the rapture all day when we get to that passage. We want to fight about eschatology and the second coming and the book of Revelation. And we love that stuff. The last words out of Paul's mouth on that topic, 1 Thessalonians 4.18. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This second coming text that we all argue about and have for decades, centuries, it's not about a debate. It's not there for us to debate. I mean, we can, we can have the discussion, but what's its purpose? It's there to encourage people who have lost someone that they loved. Someone has died, and I'm feeling hopeless. What do I do? The Lord is coming, and the dead will rise. When we're stricken with grief, when we feel like we've lost hope, when we're absolutely battered to death, and we think it's over. Paul gives us these words about that day that's drawing near. And he says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, those who have died. That you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. In life, when we go through suffering, when we go through tragedy, when we go through loss, where are we going to find hope? One of the ways we're going to find it is by a brother or sister speaking into our lives the words of hope. Giving us the truth of the scriptures, the word of the gospel. Someone's going to come come around and encourage us with this truth. That they have not perished. They are safe with Jesus. And he will return. And he will bring them and us together forever on earth in new glorified resurrected bodies 
and we shall be with the Lord forever. That's life-giving. And when you've lost someone, this is life and hope. Biblical encouragement gets us ready for this day and gives us hope as we see others go before us. Exhortation, edification, and comfort. That's, those are the three aims of encouragement. This is the, these are the three ways that we seek to motivate each other to grow in Christian character. Last point this morning. The power of encouragement. Where does the power of encouragement come from? What's the source of encouragement? Is the work or effectiveness of encouragement ultimately something that we accomplish ourselves? No. The power to encourage biblically and effectively comes from God. But as I said earlier, God does this work through us as we love one another, as we pursue peace with one another, as we welcome one another, as we comfort and exhort and edify one another. God works through us. God is the source. The power is His. But we are also essential in the process because God works through us. He works through one another. And this means that we all need each other. Each of us needs everybody else in this church. We all need each other. This also means that we need to make ourselves available to the Holy Spirit so that He can work through us when someone else needs to be encouraged. We're walking in the Spirit and so we can open our mouths and His truth, His powerful words can come through us and speak life into someone else. And this also means that we need to make ourselves available, not just to the Holy Spirit so that we can do the encouraging, but we need to make ourselves available to each other so that we can have someone else speak encouragement into our lives. And that means showing people our needs. We need others to speak into our needs. It does no good to say we don't have, the, we don't have any needs. I don't need any encouragement. I'm doing fine. That won't work. The best way to allow the Spirit to speak through you is to speak the words and truths of Scripture to each other. Maybe you're wondering, okay, yeah, i got to exhort people to be holy and to watch out for the deceitfulness of sin and to encourage people. Okay, yeah, there's a lot of things I need to be telling people, but where am I going to find the words? What do I actually say? And one of the answers is, don't worry about it. Let the Holy Spirit use you in the moment. That's what Jesus tells the disciples to do. When you're in that situation, don't fret over, oh, what am I going to say? Just walk in the Spirit, and then in the moment, the Spirit will give you the words. That's step one, walk in the Spirit. But step two is, speak the words and truths of the Bible. Speak Scripture to each other. This is the last verse I'll share this morning. Romans fifteen four. Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. That through, the, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, 
we might have hope. The Word of God is the primary instrument of encouragement. Walk in the Spirit, fill your mind and heart with the Word of God, and then be on the lookout for someone who needs encouragement. Open your mouth and speak the words of the Spirit from the Bible to each other. So to conclude, living the Christian life together and being the church God calls us to be begins with the one another's. Biblical encouragement is what gives depth to Christian fellowship. Biblical encouragement is what gives depth to Christian fellowship. It's what keeps our fellowship from becoming shallow. If we pray and labor Pray and labor to love one another, be at peace with one another, welcome one another. And if we speak words of life to each other through exhortation, edification, and comfort, if we do this, we will experience the power of God stirring us up to love and good works. Our Christian character character will grow beyond belief. You won't recognize yourself this time next year. You will be amazed at the growth in love and good works in your life. You'll be the the kind of Christian you've only dreamed about. It's possible. There's more for us, church. There's more God wants us to walk in. If we do these one another's, and these are just the first four. We start living like this, like the Bible tells us to. Our Christian character will grow as never before as you and I prepare to meet the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we give you praise today as we always do for your life-giving word. It is indeed a word that is timely, that tests us, that challenges us. And Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts to receive it, to walk worthy of you, to get busy, to get busy even now, walking in the one another's. Teach us, Lord, how to do it. Help us to get over the awkwardness of trying to get started. Help us to reflect on your scriptures that give us the specifics and the pointers of how to get going. Grow our body. Deepen our bond with you. Strengthen our Christian character. Oh, may we grow in ways we can't imagine, Lord. As we take the gospel and really believe it, and we take your commands that flow out of that gospel and live them out for one another. Lord, help us to know that level and dimension of joy that right now we can't hardly imagine. And may we give you all the glory as we look for that day when you return and we get ourselves ready to stand before you and give account. Give us that urgency, Lord, that your word calls us to. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.